I just want to say, um, on the 29th of November, 2020, my dear friend, best friend, Rob, uh, passed away. This episode's for you. I miss you, man. <laughs> I'll put my hand out my pants here, Rob. Catch you later. So what did you get me this year, Peg? My usual get-out-of-sex-free card? No, honey. This year I got you something really special. Now I'm a little nervous about this. Happy birthday, Al! <laughs> oh, Peg. You like it? I love it. Who is she? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Nudie Bar here, Down Under. My name is... Annabelle, a.k.a. Bundiana, and I haven't asked for much, and God knows I've gotten it. (laughs) My name's Matt, and I just received two, count that, two identical ties for an incredibly belated birthday gift. Were they from God Awful? Oh, no, no, no. I think they were from Myers or somewhere respectable. Um, My family know to get me decent quality ties, not from that trashy shop. (laughs) We are reviewing Honey, I Blew Up Myself, Season 8, Episode 15. First aired January 23rd, 1994. Written by Wayne Klein and directed by Sam W. Orender. Hmm, sounds like a cartoon lizard. Does. This IMDb info is very interesting. So, synopsis from IMDb says... On Al's 45th birthday, Peggy decides to give him a sexy photo of herself to hang in the shoe store. But when the photographer decides to hang a huge blow-up version of it on a giant billboard in the mall outside the store. Naturally, this cannot be tolerated, so Al enlists the help of No Man's counterpart, Marcy's feminist group Fang, Feminists Against Neanderthal Guys, to destroy the offending image. Meanwhile, Kelly and Bud can't seem to find the right gift for Al. Did you notice in there that it says Al's 45th birthday? Yes, I did, Anna. I did notice it 45th birthday, which would make Al born in early 1949, when his driver's license in an early episode states that he was born in 1948, and Ed O'Neill himself was born in 1946. Yes. This... Uh... Continuity is the bane of my sitcom existence. Th- yeah, this aired in January of '94. So let's let's play devil's advocate because this probably would have been filmed in, say, early December or even mid December at most. And then they had a couple of weeks off for Christmas, and then they get back into it. But it, it's definitely filmed in '93. According to Al's driver's license, he was born on the seventh of November. Yes, because it's the American date. So we could 
almost believably stretched that this was recorded around the time of his actual 45th birthday because he was born in 1948, whereas Ed O'Neill was a couple of years older. I'll give him that. I mean, it's a couple of months off. Um, it hardly wrecks the story. Um, just for, for just for that little um bit outlier. I mean, there there are quite a few birthday episodes that I love of TV shows. Um, over the years. Um, Married to Children had one back in season seven. Everybody has a birthday. Uh, I mean, there's just so so many other good ones over the years as well of just um people's birthdays going wrong or whatever. Any that come to your mind, Anna? Uh. Well, they keep changing Peggy's birthday. Uh, you know, Peggy turns 300 at the end of season four. That would have lined up about April, but that's when she says her birthday is in season 11. So that kind of fits. But Kelly's birthday, there's discrepancies there. You know, she's either born in February or... She's meant to be born early 72 when Christina Applegate's 29th of November 1971. Yeah, Kelly's a little bit younger than Christina to make Bud and Kelly's age a bit more similar. Yeah, I mean, Bud's birthday, he's been... Well, the biggest one that, that got me was in last season, in season seven, in You Can't Miss, when Peg says that Bud's already 20 years old. Mm. I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. He, sh- he should be barely 19, if that. Yes. Because he turned 18 in season six. I literally watched that one the other day in my one episode a day thing to get me through isolation. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good one, too. Yes, the nudie bar one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sunday. Happy birthday! It's Al's birthday. So what did you get me this year, Peg? My usual get-out-of-sex-free card? And he's getting a birthday surprise so hot, so sexy, he may not be able to handle it. Great Caesar's ghost! Married with children, then. Last week, 17 million people watched The George Carlin Show. I'm gay. What do you say? Harvey's gay! Pay attention, Harry! Now see for yourself why USA Today says George Carlin's the coolest. So I'm wearing cowboy boots. What's your problem? You're not a cowboy! Closest you ever got to a cow is when you stop to take a whiz at a dairy queen. The George Carlin Show after Married with Children Sunday. So, Honey, I Blew Up Myself. That title is a reference to the movie Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which is a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And Honey, I Blew Up the Kid is from 1992. It's an American comedy science fiction family film starring Rick Moranis. And it also featured Kerry Russell in her film debut. And Kerry Russell will return at the end of season nine in a very interesting episode. Ooh, looking forward to that one. Indeed. And I I do love the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, um, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and even the later one, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves films. I I enjoyed quite a lot quite a bit when I was younger. Yeah, I remember watching, well, the first two at least when they came out. So they were good fun. Definitely worth seeing, um, especially if you have um, kids or a beginner kid. I definitely recommend checking out if you can get your hands on them. So the writer, Wayne Klein, he's a name I've seen on something variety shows or something from the 70s and oh no i've seen his name on the tonight show with jay leno and also david letterman's show so i was looking up his imdb earlier and he's written for both of those shows um after married children and he goes way back to the 70s at least and he wrote for uh shows like laugh-in and also the Jeffersons, I noticed. He's got an episode credit there. Oh, yes. And also, interestingly, he's written one more Marital Children episode, Dial B for Virgin, in Season 9, which is another good one. And he also wrote two episodes of Top of the Heap. Mm. So make of that what you will. 
I will, I will. And I'm, I noticed myself, because I brought it to IMDb just then, uh, of interest to me, I noticed he, he wrote one episode of The Ropers. Um, as some of you may know, that's the American answer to George and Mildred. And The Ropers is obviously spun off Three's Company, which was the American answer to Man About the House. Um, I quite like um, all, all of those shows myself. Just good, silly fun, if you ask me. And uh, if you haven't seen them, watch the early Three's Companies if you want an early version of Alan Peggy. Yes, the Ropers are very Alan Pegg-like. Or Mrs. Roper is very Pegg-like, isn't she? Keyword, the American Ropers. The British ones, not as much. (laughs) No, not quite as much. But it's been a long time since I've seen any of the shows. They've held a I like them more now than when I was um, 17, 18. Yeah, it was weird. I got into I Love Lucy, like, a few years ago, and that still holds up, in my opinion. I mean, it's dated, but it's it's still good. Well, the classics never get old, um, if you you ask me, um... I mean, that's that, that's a sh- true test of a good show. Um, when you watch it years later, and, um, and it still holds up. Key key point, or well, Siphon Married to Children, The Simpsons for me. Yep, I absolutely agree. Guest cast: Hill Harper as Aaron in his third of five appearances, and we have Tom Salardi as Dabs, Winifred Friedman as Enid, Michael Lowry as Sloane, and Michael Anthony Vaccaro as Patrick. Now. This is the first episode that we're reviewing that has Aaron in it. There might be one more where we're, we're doing, but this could be the last chance to discuss him. Um, I like Hill Harper very much, and I'm so pleased that he's gone on to a lot of success in CSI New York and The Good Doctor. I only saw about half of the first season of The Good Doctor, but I understand you're still watching that. Is that right? That's absolutely right, Anna. Um, I discovered The Good Doctor during its second season after one of my um, good friends um, who happens to live in England um, rec- highly recommended it to me after its thir- first season. So uh, I binge-watched the whole first season pretty much in about two or three days and then joined the second season when it first aired. And then um, the third season when it came on, I'm looking forward to the fourth whenever that is, whenever they, whenever they actually get to film it. Uh, so I knew I know about Hill Harper as Dr. Marcus Andrews, um, one of the... Doctors where um, Dr. Sean Murphy, the lead character who has autism, uh, works. So, obviously, I watched the Married to Children years before the Good Doctor was even thought of. So, Hill Harper I, at that point was just Aaron from Married to Children to me. So, when I made a connection, I'm all, no way. And uh, I put a post on my Instagram, um, having the two side by side, Aaron and Marcus of Hill Harper, about 26 years apart. Uh, Hill Harper himself actually commented on on my, on my post. I thought that was wicked. He, he said it was a 26 year challenge. <laughs> well, that's cool. I know. I bet he hasn't aged much anyway. No, he's actually aged pretty well because he was only around 25 or 26 when he did Married to Children. He, he wasn't that old. He's younger than I am now. He was 27. The Good Doctor appealed to me because I saw the cast. I saw, yeah, the main guy, Freddie Highmore. He played yes. Norman Bates Murphy. <laughs> in um, Bates Motel. And then I saw that it had Hill Harper in it and also Richard Schiff from The West Wing. And I was like, oh my God, what a cast. So I watched it. I kind of lost interest halfway through season one, but I watched the last two of that season, but I haven't watched it since. For me, it's um, it's the only medical drama I've actually um, pretty much religiously watched. I don't normally watch them, but that one kept holding my interest, so it's the exception to the rule. The only medical show I've seen every episode of is House. Nice. Okay, Enid, work with me here. Pull in, <laughs> pull in your talons. We're almost there. <sighs> See? I told you I was a four. 
No, ma'am. Four is what you'll have to yell when the shoe pops off your foot. Yeah. Are we finished here? Well, I'm not sure I like this shade of blue. I'll tell you what I'll do then. We'll stand you in front of a mirror. I'll begin strangling you. When you reach the shade of blue that is satisfactory to you, you yell moo and I'll stop. That's it. I'm taking my business elsewhere. May I suggest Jenny Craig? Classic Al in the shoe store scene. <laughs> when Al says, uh, she says, I told you I was a four. And Al says, no, four is what you have to yell when the shoe pops off your foot. Yes. And one thing I loved is how Al has to use WD-40 to get the shoes on. Yes, but it worked. It did. It's everyone's favourite tool, you know. Um, WD-40 fixes everything, along with duct tape. <laughs> yeah, and Al tells her to pull in her talons, and, you know, talons is a, a, a claw of a bird of prey, so its primary hunting tool is its talons. <laughs> and naturally, um, Enid is not very impressed with Al, and she um, decides to take her business elsewhere. Al has a nice little suggestion for her. Jenny Craig. <laughs> Yes. Oh. And I suppose everybody has heard of Jenny Craig, but they were founded in 1983 by Jenny Craig and her husband, Sidney Craig. The program was started in Melbourne, Australia, Woo! and began operations in the United States in 1985. So, yeah, that clip of Al with Enid, you'll see that again in season 11. There's a montage in a certain episode in season 11, and that clip is featured. Where have you been? It's Al's birthday. To buy you a birthday present. Uh, here. <laughs> it's Hot Dog, the movie. <laughs> I'd prefer Hot Dog, the hot dog. Well, that's too back at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, I know how it feels. But at least you didn't sing happy birthday to me. I hate that. Nothing to do but stand there like an idiot till the damn thing is finished. I hope I get through the day without someone singing happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. <laughs> To you. Happy birthday, dear Al. Happy PP birthday to you. <laughs> it's Hot Dog, the movie. <laughs> yes, I mean, I don't think that's a real film. I could be staying corrected, but um, Al, uh, he's kind of nice about it, but he'd rather Hot Dog, the Hot Dog. Even probably just a crummy $1 Ikea hot dog. Mm, well, he's quite happy with, you know, packages of sauce and ketchup, uh, ketchup and mustard. But I'll tell you, Hot Dog the movie is a real film, and it's a teen sex comedy ski film released in 1984. The film went on to gross over $17 million, and it starred a future Married with Children guest star, Shannon Tweed. Ooh. Yeah, just looking up myself, uh, it looks like an early version of American Pie, like said in Aspen. Yeah, something like that. I haven't seen it myself, but maybe one day I'll track it down. But it's, it's just such a random movie for Aaron to bring him. Well, I mean, it is basically teasing Al, because obviously he would have referred the hot dog the food, even if ever said it was just a crummy Ikea or even Costco one. Yes. <laughs> Poor Al, can't even get a break on his birthday. And I also noticed that Aaron is more is curious about um, actually selling shoes, um, not torture. 
Yeah, I mean, Aaron or would have been discussed in um, Scared Single, his first episode. Luigi was quite keen to discuss him and sort of his role he was playing on Married with Children. But um, do you like Aaron as a sidekick for Al? I do. Um, I like how um, she decided in season eight to give um, Al a partner of the shoe store again because you had Luke in season one, but um, he just faded away after um, they for no no reason. I, I think they just um, wrote him out for no reason. So uh, it was nice to, um, to um, introduce um, another partner for Al. Um, See, with, with long-running sitcoms, I always like it when they decide um, throwing new ideas to keep keep it fresh. Um, like Married to Children did a lot, even if one of them was really bad. Cough season seven. Cough. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like Aaron too, and uh, I'm sorry he didn't stick around, but I think they were sort of experimenting with, with sidekicks for Al, and someone like Aaron, who is sort of, Al might see him as a younger version of, of himself, because he went to Pokai and everything, he sort of serves as a vehicle for Al to express his, his wisdom about marriage and things like that, and just life in general, sort of becoming a bit of a, a tutor for the young man. Yeah, and also um, it also helps serve as a, bit of a springboard for Hill Harper because a lot a lot of actors obviously um, start out with bit roles or recurring roles in TV shows before they um, make it big. So this was Hill Harper's um, stepping stone to um, fame years down the track. So that's pretty awesome too. Yeah, good on him. So Al hates having Happy Birthday being sung to him. And who happens to sing Happy Birthday to him? Who's walking to the shoe store right now? It happens to be Jefferson. Happy Birthday to you. He actually sings it all the way through. Now it doesn't shut him up. Yeah, I'm surprised he stood there and took that. And to sing that entire song might have cost him a pretty penny because before it became out of copyright, it was very hard to get the rights. So I'm just looking up the copyright. Oh, it's in public domain now. Was it in 1993? I'm not sure. I don't think it was because I seem to think this was a uh, a recent thing. Well, at least it's on, intact on the DVD. Mm. Oh, yes. After, as of 2016, lawyers have argued that Happy Birthday is now public domain. Al, as I said, hates having Happy Birthday sung to him. And so does his future character, Jay, on Modern Family. Oh, yes. Um, in some ways, Jay was um, like a, a future version of Al. Basically, um, almost the um, reverse Tom Anderson to Hank Hill relationship. Happy birthday! No singing. I saw that Modern Family episode. I'm like, ha, he doesn't want Happy Birthday either. So I had to stick them together. Marcy has a little um, birthday wish for Al, too. Um, not quite happy birthday, more happy, would you please get cut down from your feet and die? Basically, as if Al was nothing more than a mouldy old oak tree. <laughs> so, that, just wanted to mention that, because Jefferson passes on Marcy's wishes, too. And you don't even see Marcy until later? No. Yeah, Jefferson gives Al a decent gift, though, after that. Here you are, buddy. Happy birthday. What's this? It's a car wash coupon. Well, thanks, Jefferson, but you know they won't let me go through the car wash in the Dodge. Not a regular wash, Al. This is a topless car wash. Soapy headlights. Where only the cars wear bras. <laughs> Yeah, but Al's Dodge isn't allowed through the car wash. Um, this is not a regular wash, Matt. Oh no! Oh, isn't it? Oh, hang on. I've heard about this place called Soapy Headlights. Uh, conveniently located, just seventy miles out of town. Ooh, nice. Uh, let's see. That's that's one hundred and ten kilometers. So two twenty. That's back. Nice. Um, 
depending on your mileage, about 35-40% of your fuel tank. <laughs> that probably helped Al get his mileage up for a few episodes' time. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll be talking about that episode, uh, Get Out of Dodge, later in Season 8. One of my personal favourites of se- Season 8. And uh, one of which um, the ending I'll uh, sadly keep warm in my mind because it's one of the ones that was ruined on the DVD. Mm, we'll, t- we'll discuss that when we get to it. Yes, there'll be, for like, um, there'll be a future show, people. Keep listening throughout the weeks. But I don't understand. Both of you guys are married. Can't you just look at your wives topless? <laughs> Have you You've seen, seen his, his wife? wife? <laughs> Aaron, let me explain something to you. When you've been married as long as I have, you do not want to see your wife topless. Speechless, maybe, headless, naturally, but never ever topless. <gasps> the innocence of Aaron, he's got to learn no, you, you, not your wife. You can't see your wife topless. Because he's obviously still very young and optimistic. He wants to get married, have kids. He's not exactly downtrodden like Al is yet. Because um, if, if, I mean, if Aaron was a real person, he'd be, um, blimey, uh, he'd be around um, probably in his early 50s now, or late, late 40s, early 50s. So he probably probably would be Al. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to do, you know, uh, what's Aaron doing today type thing. Is he still is he married to Meg? <laughs> He's probably working at the Seuss store now that Al retired. <laughs> Come on, let's go now. No, I can't. I promised I'd go home for my birthday party. Of course, that's where the kids are going to give me a lot of god-awful presents. You know, sometimes I think that there actually might be a store out there with presents just for me that's named god-awful. <laughs> and then the topper is, Peg's probably going to make me a cake as only she can. <laughs> looks good this year. <laughs> what kind is it? Well, it's either chocolate or Uncle Ben's Minute Rice. <laughs> now, do we have any candles? Nope. Dad said no candles this year because of uh, last year's little mishap. <laughs> hey, I just thought that Roman candles meant that they were imported. <laughs> you know, from Romany. <laughs> it's amazing. Dad's looks and Buck's brains. At least I've never tried to date one of my plastic toys. Peg and the kids have remembered it's Al's birthday, which seems a bit out of character, do you think? Uh, it does, actually, because Bundys don't typically do birthdays. Um, I mean, sure, Kelly had a little celebration at the cinema last season. Uh, and obviously, I mean, and Bud went to the nudie bar with Al um, back in, again, back in season six for his birthday. So not the first time they've actually properly done a birthday on this show. But still, um, they're not exactly all cheery and um, really upbeat about them like some other TV families or people in general. Uh, as you can tell by Peggy's cake, which appears to be a um, box of Betty Crocker <laughs> um, with whipped cream on the top in its box. Or, as, as I think Peggy says, um, Uncle Ben's rice. So <laughs> there's a pathetic effort of making a cake. Even I can bake a better cake. Kelly says, oh, it looks good, quite sincerely. <laughs> That whipped cream did look good, though. Mm. And Al expects a cardboard cake. I notice he says that a bit later. He actually expects a cardboard cake, so it must be some sort of tradition for at least his birthday. Yeah, so she's definitely done it before, because this is Peg baking a cake as only she can. <laughs> yeah. And no candles. They're Roman candles. Yeah, I thought Roman candles just meant they were imported. 
you know, from Romany. Yeah, from Romany, because yeah, that's a country according to Kelly. Uh, I'm guessing in Kelly's mind, it'd probably be um, much of southeastern Europe, because obviously you've got Romania and you've got um, the Romani people, which um, came from Central Asia and uh, tend to be um, spread around Rom- Romania, Hungary, a bit of Serbia around that bit. So I don't know how good Kelly's geography is, but maybe she meant around there. I think it's somewhere near Norwegia. Oh, yeah, Norwegia. That's right. Yeah, the Norwegians were Norwegia. <laughs> <laughs> well, a Roman candle is a, a traditional type of firework that ejects one or more stars or exploding shells. And Roman candles come in a variety of sizes from 6mm, which is about 0.24 of an inch, in diameter for consumers. And they go up to 8 centimeters, just over 3 inches in diameter, for professional fireworks displays. And despite their name, Roman candles did not originate in ancient Rome or in Italy, but rather from China. Well, it makes sense, because um, ancient Rome did have a fair few connections with China, as did a fair bit of um, that bit of the world back in the day. I'm pretty sure Marco Polo went, went to China. So there's a bit of connection between um, China and, um, and Europe back, from back then, so not, 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 entirely, not entirely surprising. So what did you get, Dad, this year, Mom? Well, I was in the mall, and there it was. There's this new photography studio called Sex You Up, and they specialize in boudoir photos. You know, where they, like, lay you on a bed and dress you up real sexy. (laughs) Oh, you mean, like, the picture on Kelly's driver's license? (laughs) That may be, but I've never gotten a ticket now, have I? (laughs) Gee, I hope I did the right thing. You know, he said what he really wanted was an oil filter. But what's he going to do with a silly thing like an oil filter? (laughs) Daddy's home. Is it him? I I can't tell. It's either either daddy or there's a new pope. (laughs) Happy birthday! So Al has come home, but, Mm. you know, is it him? Yes. That Pope joke is, you know, the colour of the smoke after the ballot's result in a papal conclave indicates that the results to the people assembled in St. Peter's Square. And dark smoke indicates that the ballot did not result in an election, while white smoke announces that a new Pope was chosen. So this, obviously this is filmed in 1993, basically smack bang in the middle of um, John Paul II's um, reign as Pope. So, I mean, I don't know my... Um history of the popes that well but um as far as i know he didn't have any serious health problems at the time because i remember him passing away in 2005 pretty well but uh, um i don't know about 1993 if you to him back then no i mean for most of my childhood he was just the pope until later as you say the, then there's been you know a couple of popes since him but he was just the pope and i uh, my papal knowledge is is not huge but uh, as far as i know he was still fighting fit. Yeah, I mean, half the reason I remember when he passed away was it was the morning of my 14th birthday. Oh, right. And I um, I actually watched a film the previous night, the second of Child's Play, or Chucky film, which actually really messed my mind back then. It actually had me really freaked out. <laughs> oh, man. Don't watch that film. Kids, don't watch that film if you're under 16. It'll mess with your mind. I couldn't sleep um, properly, but there was a plus side. I got to open my birthday gifts early that morning. Oh, you turned out all right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm here 15 years later. Twitch, twitch. Happy birth... No, they don't even get to say happy birthday. They get happy... Bur- Shut up! <laughs> he can't even have his cardboard cake. 
Hey, Buck's got half eaten it already, and um, a little bit before this, Buck um, burns butt in his mind about dating plastic toys. Mmm, yes. And not to mention Al actually needed a new gift this year, because when he drives in, um, from the sound of his Dodge, really needed an oil filter. Come on, Al. I mean, I know you're skint and all, but surely you can shell out for the um, six-month service of your beloved Dodge. <laughs> yeah, he only just got an alternator. Well, did he get it? Oh, we don't know. No, we'll never know. Yeah, poor Al did not get a gift he um wanted, which um yeah. So should we discuss Peg's gift first or the kids' gift first? Hmm. Uh, let's discuss the kids' gift first because Al was right. There really is a place called God Awful. <laughs> yes, God Awful. I knew it. <laughs> I really think you're gonna love this, Daddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Happy birthday, Dad. of something I don't want. (laughs) That's the second time that's happened. (laughs) Ouch. Poor kid. I I almost felt sorry for the kids (laughs) later on. They always get the same thing. It's like, don't don't they talk to each other? I mean, I understand some siblings don't get along, but Kelly and Bud have always got along fairly well, some in their own weird Bundy way. So Kelly and Bud decide to get Al exactly the same tie. I mean, looking at a tie, I think to myself, uh, sorry, Al, I still have far better taste in ties than you do. And I love that it's the tie that he's currently wearing. It's exactly the same, and that's a great visual. Yes. (laughs) So now he has three of the same tie. So did Peg get him his usual get-out-of-sex-free card? Uh, I don't think he did, Anna. Let's see. This year I got you something really special. Now, I'm a little nervous about this. Happy birthday, Al! (laughs) Oh, hey. You like it? I love it. Who is she? It's me! He's completely stunned. Uh, he doesn't know what to say. So, uh, a little Terminator 2, I think, reference here. Uh, um, it goes in his mind. Uh, he's like, ooh, I think he look A, old. That will result in, I think, a little bit groin pull. Better not, better not. B, good after 10 beers. Well, I don't know about um, Al, but 10 beers would um would make me feel pretty crummy, and I've never actually tried um, that much in one <laughs> night, thankfully. Uh and that would give him head trauma. Oh, uh, C, beautiful. Uh, uh, that would be results in a better, better way, but um, not for Al because that will that will have him stra- dragged up straight to the bedroom. I don't think Al wants that on his birthday, do, does he? Uh, I don't think so. I think he'd prefer to get out a sex free card. I think he would, which leads to option D, the meaning- meaningless marriage answer of nice. <laughs> I love that. Meaningless compliment accepted. Meaningless marriage continues. <laughs> so he just says nice. And it does seem to be the perfect answer. And I like later on where both Aaron and Bud say that she looks nice too. And they sort of pause. You can almost see them going through the same options. Yes. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, so um, Al's obviously um, not, not very impressed with his birthday gift for his dear 45th, is he? No, and (laughs) 
What did you think about Al not even recognizing his own wife in the picture? Well, I think that was partly because that's how stunned he was. He's like, that can't be Peg. Because um, I think he knew it was Peg, but he couldn't believe that was her, you know, with all looking all do- sultry and doled up like that. And uh, yeah, he, he probably just had a, basically a mental blue screen of death <laughs> before blue screens of death were a thing. Did you like the picture? Yeah, I must admit, um, it's a pretty, it's a good picture of Peg. Um, I don't think I'd hang out on a billboard outside um the shops near where I live, though. No, I'm I'm not sure if I would, but it's still a good picture. Yeah, if that <laughs> if that was me and someone said, "Who is she?" I'd be like, "Well, fuck you." I mean, <laughs> I'll make sure it doesn't go up outside Whitford City, which um seriously is a na- is a, is the name of the shopping <laughs> centre, a ten minute walk from my house. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Peg suggests he could take it to work, but it's not really a suggestion because, you know, he takes it to work with him. And he hangs it up underneath some handbags that I don't ever recall seeing in the shoe store there yet. But the name of the shoe store is, after all, Gary's Shoes and Accessories. So um, he has obviously sold accessories over the years, so they probably thought it was a good time to have some of them in for once. Yes, actually show some accessories. Yeah, that's a good point. So what's wrong with it? I think she looks... Nice. (laughs) It's not the point. You know why women want men to hang up their pictures? Mm, So we appreciate... No! (laughs) It's to mark their territory. But he he puts a handbag over her picture, which is quite handily placed. And then Al spouts some more wisdom to Aaron. Al definitely states that this is the marking of the territory by Peg. Uh, an intrusion on his space, and, it, and it, then he launches into the infamous wife credo. Are you sure the reason you want that picture up there is so other guys can't see how good she looks? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you see, Aaron, I've been married to Peg for over 20 years. I've seen her from the front, I've seen her from the back. I've seen her in a chair, I've seen her in a sack. I've seen her stand, I've seen her crouch. I've seen her on our stupid couch. I do not like her in the mall. I do not like her in the hall. I do not like her in my life. I do not like my big red wife. I do not like her in my life. I do not like my big red wife. Inspired by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I think you, you should all know Dr. Seuss's people. If you haven't, um, you had no childhood, go to the library, um, if they're open where you are, and look at Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. Sam, I am. So, yeah, he's just spouting more wisdom to Aaron. And what happens next, of course? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, kid, you're single. You don't understand. See, married men are never jealous of their wives. That picture could be up all over town. Wouldn't mean a hill of beans to me. They could put it on the side of a milk carton. They could put it on the side of a Sears tower. They could even put it on the side of... <laughs> Great Caesar's ghost! <laughs> Great Caesar's ghost for advertising. Jefferson um, Jeff starts to feel a bit horny, and Al is not impressed. Uh, he grills he grills Jefferson for lusting at Peggy, which is an, an evidence in the show that even though he constantly ribs her, never wants to have sex, um, Al truly loves and cares about Peggy. Yes, and I love that he loves her. Just to go back, Great Caesar's ghost. That's one of Al's. Well, sort of became one of Al's catchphrases almost but as there was a catchphrase of perry wyatt from superman he used to say great Caesar's ghost 
I was trying to find the origin of that saying, but the most I could find was that it alludes to Julius Caesar by Shakespeare, in which Roman Emperor Julius Caesar, uh, his ghost appears to Brutus. So it's used as a euphemism in place of good God. Like, oh my God, good gravy. It was made popular in the 40s and 50s by the Superman radio program and comic books by Perry White. Nice, and well, Superman's been a mainstay for many years. Um, I've sort of, and it was never in the cartoons I watched when I was little, though. I don't remember it being any of the Superman cartoons in the same period. No, and I've seen bits of the '50s TV show, but yeah, I'm I'm not a aficionado there. I mean, someone like Luigi would know more. I would, I don't know much either. I mean, Superman was one of my nicknames at work, though, which I took as a nice compliment. Oh, I'll take that as a compliment, sure. Yeah, because I got it fixed fixed right on time. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> I'd do her. Oh, you're a guy with high standards. You'd do Marcy. <laughs> Jefferson, I gotta get them to get that sign down. How come? He's jealous. I am not jealous. I just respect other men's rights not to turn the stone in front of my store, that's all. <laughs> now, Jefferson, I want... Will you stop leering at my wife? Uh, sorry. Now listen, you're good at talking people into things. I mean, you talk Marcy into believing you married her for her looks. <laughs> Go to that photographer and get him to take that sign down. Hey, maybe I can get him to replace it with this. Picture I took of the girls at the topless car wash. Where's your car? Oh, I took the bus over there. <laughs> as long as I went vroom, vroom, vroom as I went through it, they didn't seem to know the difference. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, it's very important that sign come down before Peg sees it. What I want you to do is go outside and look for her and yell when you see her. Ah! Oh, not her picture. <laughs> not her picture, her. Ah! Hi, Al. Did you see it? Yes, Peg, I saw it. Ray Charles would see it. <laughs> Ray Charles would see it. <laughs> Ray Charles, for those who don't know, um, legendary sing- singer. Uh, look up his look up his fine work, and also like Stevie Wonder, known for being blind. Yeah, that, that, that's literally the joke. He's blind. It may it, it doesn't matter if he said Ray Charles or Stevie Wonder or um, uh, who's another blind person. <laughs> oh, there's others out there, but none are coming to my mind right now. I can only think of Andrew Bocelli, but was he famous in the nineties? Uh, not sure. I just love the way the family troll Al by walking into the store pretty much then. Bud thinks Peggy looks nice as well. Yes. And we get to the second um, gift failure from Kelly and Bud. Yeah, I mean, it's all fixed now. We'd love to hang around and share your uh, proudest moment. But uh, anything just came up and we got to go. Oh, wait, before we do, we just want to apologize for yesterday's little birthday boo-boo. It's all fixed now. Here you go. <laughs> Kids, come. Come here. <laughs> Get out. It's exactly the same shirt, same colour and everything. And he's wearing the same shirt then, isn't he? So now he's got three shirts to go with his three um brown ties. Did you like um Al sort of not laughing it off but ah, 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 and then smashing their heads together? Pretty much. <laughs> He's like, you stupid kids, you've known me for all your life. Get me a better gift. I mean, I'm no worse gift givers myself, but um, Kelly and Bud should really know better. I mean, it's, at least Al didn't get, say, a um, oh, shaver or uh, what, what's another really bad, bad birthday gift? Uh, dust of a Christmas. Yeah, they're actually buying Al's, 
our presence, which I think is kind of sweet. But they're being such idiots about it. Yeah, at least talk to each other. But before, at least before you go to the shops. I mean, I know they did. I know you didn't have mobile phones back then, but you know you could always speak to each other before you go to the shops. Yeah, but it's a nice little recurring thing that's happening through the episode. I think it's cute, but in reality, it's like, oh, come on, really? Yeah. But I did like uh, Aaron's uh, Al saying to Aaron, you know, go outside and look for her and yell when you see her, and he immediately pops up. Ah! <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Yes, very well-timed over there. Uh, yes. <laughs> and just after he b- bops the kids' heads together, Al is getting um more... Je- his jealousy just went up to 11 uh, when he hears a couple of um lads talking about Peg's airbags. And what about the guy who comes in to specifically compliment Peg? Uh, Peg, I haven't asked for much and God knows I've gotten it. <laughs> But I really think the picture ought to come down. Now, I like it myself, but some people have been complaining about it. Excuse me, miss. Hope you don't think I'm being too forward, but you are truly one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Oh. Now that I see you in person, that photograph doesn't do you justice. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to bask in your presence. Good day. See, Peg, I told you that people... We're complaining. You know what I think, Al? I think you're jealous. Jealous, Peg? I'll tell you what I'm jealous of. I'm jealous of any man who can come home after work to a cold beer and a warm meal and a wife somewhat smaller than the Bullwinkle Balloon in the Macy's Day Parade. But if you think for one second that I'm jealous of that picture, you're out of your nine-foot mind. Well, I'd love to put the top down and test drive that for a weekend. Yeah, nice of the airbags, too. Excuse me, Pick. Both we and the rest of the audience and the studio audience know what's going to happen, but we still enjoy watching what happens, don't we? Exactly, because we've we're joined the show for seven and a half seasons. We're still loving it. Uh, season eight is still continuing the um, nice little renaissance after season, after the first half of season seven. So all still very well in the world of nine seven six four Jeopardy Lane. So Peg's picture has been used to advertise his business. Al was hoping it'd be a little less Shamulian. And Shamu is a killer whale of the nineteen sixties, and mentioned often in Married with Children, usually to do with the larger lady, as in the fat women in the shoe store. Yes. <laughs> and then Al says he's jealous of any man can come home to a wife somewhat smaller than the Bullwinkle Balloon in the Macy's Day Parade. I'm not sure if everyone, I think everyone in America at least would know about the, the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York. It's the world's largest parade. It's presented by the department store Macy's. It's, that goes way back to 1924. It's a three-hour parade held in Manhattan outside Macy's Herald Square, been televised nationally on NBC since 1952, and Bullwinkle, that's a name that will come up next season as well. As an Australian, I know a fair bit about it from watching The Simpsons, watching American TV in general, 
if you've seen enough TV, you know what the Macy's Day Parade is, because um, American shows were mentioned on Thanksgiving, which thankfully down here in Australia hasn't been commercialised yet, because uh, I mean, Halloween's become a thing, uh, donut shops will flog Bastille Day to sell um, donuts, and they'll do the same thing for what, on alcohol stores, for, uh, yet, again for the same reason, uh, St. George's Day and St. David's Day picking up here in Perth. So Thanksgiving, thankfully, hasn't been um, turned to sacrilege as a commercial way to flog turkey and cranberry sauce yet. Yet. I think the emphasis there is the word yet. And or pumpkin pie. Yeah, pumpkin spice lattes and uh, Halloween. We talked about Halloween on that episode. And Thanksgiving doesn't get celebrated much in Married with Children, like twice ever, maybe. But yeah, anyone who's ever watched American te- television is going to have heard mention of Macy's Day Parade and... In 2005, Christina Applegate performed in it when she was doing Sweet Charity on Broadway. Oh, nice. Didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, there should be footage somewhere. It's, uh, she was interviewed on Today, and it must have been freezing cold because November in America, and she was wearing a jacket, then she had to perform in, you know, the spaghetti string red dress number. That would have been chilling. Uh, yes, but sadly I missed that as I would not become a fan of Merry Children for another year and a half after that. So close in the grand scheme of things. Now that we have this jealousy garbage out of the way, that picture comes down. Aaron, get me a blowtorch. Only if you'll admit that you're jealous. I'm not jealous! Fine, then you won't mind if it stays. Well, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. Other than that low-grade nausea. Well, Al's jealous. And he starts giving Aaron another speech, but this one's a little bit more, slightly more insane. Mr. Bundy, why don't you just tell your wife you're jealous and get it over with? Aaron, let me explain something to you. You don't know anything. Even if a man is jealous, he can never, ever tell that to a woman. Well, that's like saying, here, here's a hand grenade, put it down my pants. Once they know you're jealous, they've got you by your bobbit. You will have lost your last ounce of dignity. And like the once mighty Mahi Mahi, you will end up on a poo-poo platter in the tiki hut of life. They've got you by your bobbit. <laughs> and I believe that's a reference to John Wayne Bobbit and Lorena Bobbit, the infamous American couple, when they made headlines in 93 when Lorena cut off her husband's penis with a knife while he slept in bed. Oh. And she did it because he... She accused him of rape, and I think I heard somewhere that he since became a porn star. Whoa. Yeah, but he'll get mentioned again next season in a what I think is a much better joke. Well, I mean, if they get mentioned that, that on a show, Married to Children is the show to make jokes about um, the likes of that. Yes, very topical, and, you know, it says a lot that we still know who these people are today. Yes, and one thing I loved about Al's speech is that um, he, he talks to Aaron about you never want to admit you're jealous to a woman. You cannot admit it. But one thing that stood out to me was that he likens it to throwing a hand grenade down the pants. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Slight ouch. I mean, I've been injured badly in real life before, but not to that extent. What did you think of his um, once like the mighty Mahi Mahi, you'll end up on a poo-poo, poo-poo platter in the tiki part of life? life. Uh, that one slipped me by a bit. Um, I'm guessing that was sort of Amazon, possibly an Amazonian reference. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. Um, I know this. There'll be someone out there who 
knows exactly what he's talking about. I think it's just uh, like Hawaiian or um, maybe Na- Native American. I mean, mahi mahi is a, is a fish. Could be Native American. Could be Hawaiian. Could be um, South American. Uh, I don't think it's um, anywhere in the um, Europe, Asia, or Africa. It's, it's definitely not Australian. But I'm just wondering where he comes up with these things. Well, Al's been around for 45 years. He's picked up a fair bit of wisdom from TV, his own dad, uh, working in a shoe store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of free time in there. Oh, he does? Yeah, a poopy platter is, uh, is a tray of American, Chinese, or Hawaiian food. Yeah, Hawaiian makes sense. Uh, yeah, it sounds Hawaiian to me. Maybe, maybe next time I see my friend who was born in Hawaii, I'll ask if he remembers that when he was a kid. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But he, he moved to Australia when he was seven, so maybe not. Tiki Hut may be Thai, but I think that's just the name of the Thai, the country, not Thai, the Thai. <laughs> yeah, I figured it meant as in Thailand. <laughs> this is what we're talking about, Thais. Hey, Al, guess what? The Sex You Up photographer said I've got the best set of cheekbones this side of Robin Fab of Millie Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> He's given me a thousand headshots for half price, and I'm not giving any of them away. I know now what I have to do. Truly go where no man has gone before. Right, so Al thinks Jefferson might be able to con the Photoshop, the photo guy into taking down his picture. But instead, says he's got the best set of cheekbones this side of Rob and Fab of Millie Vanilli. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that's fair, because you know what? Uh, Rob and Fab, especially Fab, does have great cheekbones. And if no one's familiar with Millie Vanilli, A, how old are you? And B, you haven't missed too much, but they were an R&B duo in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And they consider, consisted of Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, or Pilatus. And the group's album, titled All For Nothing in Europe, and it was reconfigured as Girl, You Know It's True in the United States that achieved international success, earned them a Grammy Award for Best New Artist in 1990. But the success turned, turned to infamy when Millie Vanilli and their agent confessed that they did not sing any of the vocals heard on their music releases. So they had to end up giving back their Grammy Award for Best New Artist. Yes, I'm just, I'm just reading about that now. Uh, and also, more tragically, they tried to come back in the late 90s, but... Um, Rob Pilatus sadly passed away in 98. Funny enough, on my seventh birthday at the age of 32. Wow, everything's happening on your birthday. I know. Am I cursed? <laughs> Are you Al? Well, there's a bit of an Al Bundy thing I put my mother through, considering I put her through 41 hours of labour, which started on April <sighs> Fool's Day. Oh, your poor mother. Yeah, my mum likes to remind me about that sometimes, Anna. Well, my mother likes to remind me constantly that I was two weeks late. I was two. <laughs> wow, snap. And the 41 hours labour on top of that, my poor mother. Oh, God. I was nine pounds, too, as you must avert. I'm not sure how much I weighed, but I think we concluded that I was late because I was too busy either sleeping or watching TV inside there. Well, there was no married to children back then, so you must have been hooked on. trying to think what show you could have been hooked on in the womb. Dallas, maybe? What was on... Late November 82, what was on? Dallas, Dynasty, Archie Bunker's place was still on. Oh, there you go. So Jefferson has <laughs> been swayed by the, by the sexual photographer. So Al has decided that he has to truly go where no man has gone before. And that's a Star Trek reference. Yes. 
and wait till you see where Al goes. Um, he just he's that desperate to get um Peg, Peggy's photo taken down that he's willing to oh uh oh make an alliance with Marcy. Mmm, at her group, Fang feminists against Neanderthal guys. I come before you this evening, not as a man. <laughs> but as a friend who understands the plight of today's feminists. True, we have had our differences in the past, but I have seen the light, and luckily there's not too much in here. <laughs> now, what did you think about this scene? Well, I mean, we, we were just the no-man literally um, about six episodes before this. Mm. So clearly Martha's had enough time to start her own countergroup. Yeah, and I'm wondering if she created it in response to this or she's just become, you know, an out-and-out staunch feminist by this point. But let's say, because Jefferson's part of No Ma'am and she caught them doing their No Ma'am thing, she's going to start her own group. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a response to um, No Ma'am. I I, I called him the anti-No Ma'am. You can buy the Fang fang shirts uh, as well as No Ma'am shirts in real life. Yeah, I should get one. And Al is totally desperate to, um, well, take the, um, take the sign down. And yes, if you get one, um, by the time I get over to Adelaide next, we'll have to get a photo of us, um, me and my no member shirt, eating your fang shirt. <laughs> oh, definitely. Anyway, ladies. Uh, we prefer to be called gyno-Americans. <laughs> then rhino-Americans it is. Uh, I'm just wondering if they're testing the waters because we've had one episode of No Man, and uh, but Fang, this is a one-episode wonder. We never see it again. Yeah, I mean, glad you mentioned that because I mean, it was as as you're saying, which is one episode wonder. So uh, maybe it wasn't that well received. Maybe they only meant it to be for this episode because um, as a vehicle for Al to team up with um, to get the sign down because. I mean, Al's having to make alliances with almost anyone to do um, to get get what he wants, or as he, or as he says. Willing to make peace and truce with um, Fang by throwing the mustache combs. Everyone gets one. Yes, all these gyno-Americans or gynoceruses. <laughs> hang on to your flannel panties. <laughs> there is still time to act. I want every gynoceros in this room <laughs> to charge down to the new market mall and stop this dastardly deed. Show them! as only you can, that a woman's body is not to be appreciated, but to be feared, reviled, and in the case of most of you, kept totally covered at all times. (laughs) Hurry, my sisters, down to the mall. But remember, not more than three in the elevator at one time. Yeah, he's making peace. He's extending an olive branch of peace. So, yeah, I think you're right. This is one episode wonder for uh, just because Al needs to get his way and appeal to their feminist issues. But yeah, they, they even got a shirt for Marcy to wear, so I'm glad that shirt's available online. That's, that's pretty good for a one-episode shot. Well, you can thank the likes of Redbubble and um, other custom designers. Um, you think you can get almost anything designed. I mean, I actually made um, one of my uh, Married to Children shirts myself for a custom designer because the Amazon seller wouldn't send it to me. Well, years ago, I had... Uh, a married children friend who gave me some uh, transfers to iron on to a t-shirt. He gave me a no man one. I don't think I ever used it because I had to find the perfect shirt. And also it was something, 
it was a little, it was a gift from him, so I, I've sort of kept it intact and not wasted it on the wrong shirt or anything like that. And he also made his own Budrick shirt. You know the Budrick episode from season eleven? Don't be a Budrick, be a Goodrick. Yes. He made a he made one of those shirts as well, and he sent me the transfer for that as well. And I've still got them somewhere because we're talking about twenty two, twenty one, twenty two years ago. And I've still got them, and I'm not in touch with this person anymore, but I've still got those transfers he sent me. So if you can find a, a, a Don't Be a Budrick, Be a Goodrick shirt on the net, then I can sort of hang on to those transfers and buy my own shirt, or I could just go ahead and make one one day. Yeah, they both sound good, and it's always nice to have um, you know, keepsakes of your old friends around. Uh, but I'll, I'll have a look to see if I can find one of those Don't Be a Budrick, Be a Goodrick shirts. Yeah, and speaking of old friends, I want to digress just a little bit, but not really. It's still Murdered Children related. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine from way back, another diehard Murdered Children fan by the name of Nitsan Gilkis. He's a friend of mine from Israel. He has written a review of this episode that we're reviewing. He's rated it 10 out of 10, and, it's, and he still says it's his favorite episode of them all. And I mentioned that because I did ask him to see if he would like to come onto this podcast, but because of work and um, he's got a, a young daughter now, he, he can't make it, so he can't make the time, but he may slip something in. I don't know. But he's written this review and his reviews were very good and they're all all the reviews that he's done are available on my site, which is albundy.net forward slash maradaniac forward slash A-T-E dot H-T-M-L. All his reviews are there. His name is Nitsan Gilkis. And I just want to read a little section of the review of this episode that he's done. This is the section that comes after Al has um, expressed some of his accumulated wisdom to Aaron from earlier in the episode. <clears throat> the next two scenes are, in my opinion, are among the funniest in the show's history. The first is a good example of Married Children's constant continuity slips. Why are Peg, Kelly, and Bud celebrating Al's birthday and getting him presents? I'm sure it's been mentioned more than once in other episodes. Every Bundy has a birthday and movie show are the first two that come to my mind. But Bundys don't celebrate birthdays and usually don't even remember when they are. But the show's writers have never troubled themselves too much over such trivialities, with their motto being, who cares as long as it's funny and serves the plot, and I fully agree. I'm sure the average murdered children viewer doesn't even notice these slips anyway. But enough blabbering, this scene is full of gems, and even if I were to quote only the funniest lines, this review would be twice as long. I loved it when Al comes into the house, everyone starts to say happy Bert, and Al will shut up. Classic murdered children and well performed. The wifometer is a great idea. I love the you look nice motif, which is later repeated by Bud and Aaron. You can almost imagine the two of them visualizing something similar to the wife meter before saying the word nice. Subtle, but very funny. Other highlights here include Kelly misunderstanding Bud's offer to switch presents and Peg's line about Al's paycheck defeating the purpose of going to work. Al refuses to take Peg's picture to work and thus help her mark her territory. But as usual, she gets her way in the end. And once again, we learn who really wears the pants in the Bundy household. He says this is a, in his opinion, this is a very good episode to use if you want to introduce somebody to Married with Children. He watched it with his family a few weeks ago and everyone laughed out loud, including his father, who usually doesn't watch this kind of uneducational crap. 
So, but since then, every time he's watched Married with Children in the living room, he's joined by him and other family members. So it's a good one for converting non-believers. And he calls it an almost flawless episode. I loved reading his review myself. He um, very, very well, very well said, written out. Uh, I agree with him a lot. He's, it, I wouldn't, it's not one of my top five episodes for myself, but it's definitely up there and one that I enjoy um, watching more now than I did when I first watched the show when I was 17. Uh, um, when I first went through the whole series when I was um, 16, 17, I, I still enjoyed seasons 8 through 11, but I didn't enjoy them as much. I think that was partly because I, I was watching... Um, muddy, blurry copies that were ripped from VHS or cable or whatever um, um, that I um, downloaded on my, on my laptop screen. I think that, that may be part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, the last three or four seasons, well, sort of from season eight to 11, they get, uh, they're very popular, but some people say the show's like, has peaked and it's starting to go down. I think as we review these episodes and go through them in more detail, I think we'll find there's actually a lot of really good stuff here. And it's going to be very interesting as we continue just to see which episodes get what ratings, etc. Yes, I mean, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a few failing grades in, say, season 11. Yeah, 10 and 11, that's that's going to be interesting, I think. (laughs) Especially 11, because by then it was really starting to run dry a bit, and... uh... I remember when I first went for, the, went for the show, I really dragged it out. And uh, yeah, because I, I, part of me didn't want it to end, it to, even though it had gone down a bit. Yeah, season I watched all of season 11 again fairly recently, but right after I'd watched season four, I think. and Or maybe it was season six, because we we that's where we were up to on the podcast. But yeah, season 11, there's some good stuff in there, but it feels like a completely different show a lot of the time. And a lot of that's to do with, you know, a changing in staff, in writing staff and in crew members and things like that. But that's another season for another day. I mean, we could discuss it until the cows come home. But right now at season eight, I think we're at a really good point. We are. What our hunting and gathering friend here is trying to say (laughs) is that we have important work to do. We must strike a blow. For all women. This cannot be a slap on the wrist. It must be a punch in the labanza to all oppressors. And thank you for bringing this to our attention, Al. You're welcome. Skin him. Yeah, uh, Marcy's fang group. Basically tackle Al. Yeah, but they, they're going to help him. Yeah, because Al tells Fang to show the mall that women's bodies are to be feared. <laughs> and he mentions a maximum of three <laughs> in the elevator all at once. Uh, Marcy's got a field day, and they're all, all of Fang basically charge at him. It looks like they beat him up. When you go to the next scene, um, Al's perfectly fine, no injuries whatsoever on the couch, unlike previous times on the show where he has been injured, like in You Better Shop Around, where he has the, tr- um, the trolley to the liver and <laughs> the beer goes out of him. Yeah, all his injuries must be internal. I think he's he's keeping the blood in. Yes. So, yeah, they're watching on the news that, you know, crazed feminists had charged the Newmarket Mall and pulled down her photo. After storming into a photographer's studio where local man Jefferson Darcy was allegedly posing nude on a bearskin rug. 
Mr. Darcy was dragged by an unnamed body part and flung into the mall fountain by the howling women. Women! Can't live with them! Can't hurt them all into Canada! <laughs> they stormed into the studio where Jefferson Darcy was allegedly posing nude on a bearskin rug. Yes, because obviously he went to sex you up. Yeah, and if that picture exists, I'd like to see it. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure they just did that as a gag. They, w- they wouldn't have gone to the effort of doing one of those for Jefferson too, especially if they weren't going to use it in the episode. Oh, dang. Well, he was dragged by an unnamed body part and flung into the mall fountain. <laughs> and Al says his classic, well, I say classic, it's a classic quote, but he said it once. Women! Can't live with them! Can't hurt them all into Canada! <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's been a recurring joke for the past, um, I don't know how many years, about the whole move into Canada, push him into Canada, just Canada jokes, really. I don't know how long Canada jokes have been a thing for, because if you go forward a few years, they are a, a key running joke throughout South Park. Oh, Canada, yes. Yeah, where everyone has tippy heads, talks funny, they all look the same, the cars are square wheels, there's <laughs> only one road between Vancouver and Labrador. <laughs> Blame Canada. Yes, I'll just say one more note about South Park. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, if you come December, make sure you watch it's the Christmas episode set in Canada in particular. That line that Al quote, uh, quoted, that line that Al said, he will do a variation of that quote in "Get Out of Dodge." There's that episode again. Yes. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. So when Peg asks him. Did you have anything to do with those women taking down my picture? Peg, on your mother's life, no. Now swears on her mother's life. <laughs> if it's anything I hate, it's women's bodies being exploited. It has to stop for all our sakes, Peg. How very liberated of you. Where are you going? Get the car washed. <laughs> With binoculars. <laughs> yeah, I did like that joke. I mean, yeah, and it, he's very liberated. Yes, clearly. Yes, and uh, no doubt Peggy will expect anything when Al, Al's gone for a 220-kilometer round trip. <laughs> no, not at all. No, 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 no. So there's a little bonus scene in the end credits. And from what I can tell... So far, it is on the DVD, which has become an exception to the rule now, because it even includes the love and marriage credit. So either somebody screwed up, somebody forgot to erase that love and marriage credit from the DVDs. I want to check every single release of the DVD first, but all versions that I've seen of this episode, the end credits are intact. And they are, we get the full scene and it's moving pictures with Al and Kelly and Bud. Dad? Happy birthday. Let me guess. Pants. Look like these? I told you he had pants. Didn't tell me he had great ones like that. I have seen him wear pants before. And at least on streaming, at least on Prime anyway, as far as the streaming services go, it's included there. So have you seen any version of this episode without that end credit sequence? 
Well, I'm glad, glad you asked. Um, I, I first watched this, um, as I mentioned, back in 2008 when I watched a pirated version that was um, someone taped off TV or cable. I can't remember if it was on there, but it would have been if it was because some of the episodes of the credits missing altogether. But I think it would have, it would have been, but I can't 100% remember. However, um, I wa- I've got the Mill Creek DVDs, which I bought in 2015, pretty much the second they came out, were able to be shipped to Australia. And I'm pleased to report... The final scene is intact in a DVD, which really made it when I watched the episode for this podcast. Yay, I'm very pleased. Yeah, see, I waited for all the Mill Creek to come out. I just bought the one big box, the one that has all the, um, in the paper liners. I just bought the big, big Mill Creek box. I waited for all of them to come out just in case they released special features, which sadly they didn't. uh, Because I was hopeful. That's why I waited for the whole release and didn't just buy them incrementally. Yeah, because I bought the I've got the big Bundy box set that came out before they'd even released season ten and eleven, and that did have a couple of extras. There's a couple of um, interviews, but and the the initial releases, the Sony releases, that they 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 were not great, and season four in particular was heavily edited. So I'd actually got a German version of that release because it was all uncut. Yeah, in some cases it. They still had the end credits cut out because they wanted to cut out the love and marriage. But that's when all the replacement music started, which is a, a another day and another story. Because Mill Creek have put the music back on, that was a huge incentive. And I will have that collection done soon. But because of the cost of postage to Australia, I have to be careful about where I get them. So I've only got seasons one, two, three, four, five, six. I think I've got seven and eight. But yeah, I need nine and ten and eleven. Yeah, I was really grateful when I got them. Well, it was actually really well-timed because um, at the time, the Australian dollar was really good against the American dollar. And um, mm. I remember all up, including post, it was, it was only 50 Australian dollars. So any cheaper, I would have been basically stealing the episodes, really, when you, if you look at the price per episode. Yeah, that's that's good going. You got you got lucky there. I mean, the cost of the DVDs doesn't bother me, but it's the shipping and, and Amazon and places like that that sort of changed their... Their shipping in in recent times, uh, there's some issues there, and also eBay uh, shipping keeps going, gets getting more and more expensive. Because there's so many things on eBay I would buy if I could, and but yeah, I just got to look and find them in the right place. Because I sort of buy them here whenever I can, and whenever it's the postage that that gets me. So if you ever see something with like free international postage, let me know, and I'll be like, yoink. Will do. I definitely will, Anna. Yes. Um. Yeah, I've got to be, I mean, I've got all of bills to pay thanks to being a working adult, so sadly I can't um, spend all my money like this either. No, I'm just, it's my dream, you know, um, one of my dreams is, uh, you know, if I ever win the lottery, I'd just spend so much of my money on, on, on television crap. I would too. Well, in that, in that post credit scene, which again, I'm eternally grateful for to being on the DVD, um, you see for a third and final time that Bud and Kelly fail at getting birthday gifts again. This time it's trousers. But Al knows it's time to check. Yes, yes. And uh, come on, Kelly and Bud. Um, well, I don't think you don't see Al's birthday in the future episode after this, do you? Uh, no, I don't think so. So I like to I like to think that in the Bundy universe, um, for future birthdays, that um Kelly and Bud did better better for him. Oh, there's one birthday in the episode I mentioned before in season eleven. It's crimes against obesity in season eleven. That's a, I think that's the next time there's a birthday. But I don't think it's Al's. Uh... No, it is Al's birthday because he he gets a present, but then he gets um held up in the shoe store <laughs> by oh. some fat women. But yes, that'll be discussed um, then. I must admit, season eleven episodes are the, don't haven't really stuck to my mind as much as the other, some of the others. 
no, it'll be. I think that's kind of good because uh, sometimes you you watch it and you'll see things you haven't seen or don't remember seeing before, or, or you know, it's been so long you've forgotten what's gone on, and you might even um, appreciate it more or see things in a new light. Or as we gear up to review it, it's going to be very interesting to see how much we like episodes, how much we realize that we hate some of the episodes. But I think season eleven did start off pretty well. But yeah, let's wait till we get there. Yeah, definitely good to me. So that picture that Al has given, uh, sorry, that Peggy gave Al to put up in his shoe store, that's never seen again. No. So did the feminists take that picture too, or did Al just like throw it away when he thought Peg wasn't looking? Well, we never see the feminists go into the shoe store, and the main focus is the one outside because, um, yeah, obviously it's a women's shoe store, so some of them must get their shoes from Al. Um, you'd think. But um, given given that was Al's gift, um, I think he would have um, tossed it or just thrown it in the, in the basement where he will trip down the stairs again, or who knows. Yeah, it could be in the basement behind the furnace. Oh, don't go in the basement. Ah! <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, um, how many photos are you taking for the new billboard at the mall for this episode? You know what? I'm going to take five photos. Yes, it is one of my favourites of this season. I don't know if it's one of my favourites of all time, but that does not stop me enjoying it any less or liking it any less or um, not appreciating it any less. I think there's a lot of great content in this one. It's... I mean, you've got things. You've got Aaron, who who's who I like so much. She's just so darn adorable. You've got um, it's Al's birth. You've got a lot of Al and Peg. You've got it, it features a lot of Peg, uh, literally and figuratively, which is always good with me. A lot of Al and Peg. They they sort of, even little things, you know, like they almost got the math right on Al's birthday. That but that's IMDb. Uh, the Kelly and Bud stuff is is cute. I think is a cute little motif that weaves throughout the episode. Um, if there is a downside, it's probably the scene with Fang. I don't hate it or anything like that. It's just uh, I I don't I don't know. I can't explain it. But no, it's fine. It is. All, there's no there's no real bad things to me. I like that we get to see Marcy and Jefferson's house again uh, in their living room, which we'll see their house more this season, which I think is a, a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful little little jokes. Uh, I love the name of God Awful being a store just to, just to shit on Al's life. Um, it's weird that they remember his birthday, but at the same time, it gave us a lot of great jokes there. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an episode with feminism. It's an episode with Al not being a feminist in this case when it's to do with his wife. Because if that was any other picture uh, of any other woman, he wouldn't give a shit if it was outside his store or what. I like Jefferson being swayed by told he's got great cheekbones. Buck eating Al's birthday cake. Al, no, you notice Buck is 
eating Al's food again, his only meal. And yeah, I think I'll give it five. Wow. Well, that very well said, Anna. Very well said. Um, I mean, for, for me, um, this episode, I actually liked it more um, this time than the uh, previous times I watched it. Because um, I think this is only the third, maybe fourth time. I think this is the third time I've, I've seen this episode. And uh, it, it was even better than I remembered it before, which has been the case for um, a lot of these um, season eight episodes. I remember it being better than it was before. So I'm sure it'll stick out for me later on. Uh, for me, uh, how many photos take on the billboard? Uh... Uh, I was tossing between four and a half or five. Uh, bugger it, I'll, I'll take five photos for, of me in a billboard. I don't know what I'll be advertising, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, for some of the reasons you mentioned, but in particular, I liked it for, um, well, I liked how our team is up with Marcy here to um, meet a common goal of get, getting getting something um, getting something done, getting something taken down. Uh, I quite like the Al-Aaron dynamic. Uh, Al has a miserable birthday, so that's how a Bundy birthday really should be because this is married to children after all, not family ties. <laughs> Just the little things, as you mentioned, like the birthday cake or lack thereof. Um, that cake um, would not go down very well in my work where we have a cake policy where you meant to bring in cake on your birthday. Oh, dear. And just uh, all the little things really really make it here. The wife credo... Uh, just, just the timing of the family walking into the shoe store when um the photo goes up, yeah. For a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Anna, plus um, yeah, the, the ones I mentioned there. So all in all, uh, definitely one that I'll, I'll remember uh, more prominently um in, in time to come when I go for the series yet again. Excellent. I'm very, I'm very pleased to hear that. I know there's only two of us here, but that qualifies as a Hall of Famer because it's we both gave it five out of five. All right, I said I was going, and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot <laughs> in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. I remember watching this episode like it were yesterday. Al spraying WD-40 on women's feet in the shoe store and says you'll have to yell four after the shoe goes flying off. I'll strangle you till you reach the shade of blue you like and yell moo. <sighs> I mean, you know how many times I felt that they threw everything but the kitchen sink at a certain topic joke? You know, like, this is one of them. <laughs> and they just always have more. It's really incredible. This is Aaron's third appearance, if I'm counting right. Now, remember how I said I don't even remember him besides this first one? I guess I do remember this because this is like one of my favorite episodes. I've seen this so many times when I was growing up. Like at 14, 15 years old, this was like, I don't know. I just really liked it and I watched it a lot. And uh, I don't know how I didn't remember that or that I guess I didn't remember he was in it is what I'm saying. Uh, maybe I do remember Aaron episodes really well. I just don't remember he's in them for some weird reason because he doesn't have that impact. You know, like any... He's just bland, I guess, or something. He's a nice kid and all, but I don't know. He just doesn't have that quality that Griff has, I guess. He doesn't have the presence. 
You know what I mean? Uh, he was great for that one episode. I think that was exactly what he was supposed to do. And, and, that's, and that's it, you know? Uh, otherwise, he's sort of just there. It's Al's birthday. And you know that because Jefferson sings happy birthday to Al while he just stands there waiting for that to be over with, which I feel the same way. I hate that that song is so long and you just got to sit there with a weird expression until people are done. Soapy headlights, topless car wash. Wow, that sounds great. I've seen a lot of pornos that start like that. Store named God Awful. Al fills his whole wardrobe there, apparently. Al's birthday cake, classic. Peg going to sex you up. Al says two of something. Al says two of something I don't want. Second time that happened. I mean, wow, ruthless, man. Love it. Wife-o-meter for responses. That is great. I felt like I was watching The Terminator. That was amazing. The conversation with Aaron about the picture in the shoe store. Just great. When he rhymes like uh, Dr. Seuss. And it ends with Peg's billboard being in the mall right in front of Al's shoe store. Jefferson says he would do her. Wow. And with no... He didn't even go, oh, sorry, Al. Nothing like that. He didn't even care. And then Al didn't care that he said that. He just said, well, you'll do Marcy. So what does that mean? You ever get that when people say, like, they would uh, do you or or date you or something? And then, like, you look to the side and you see who they're with and you're like, eh, well, it doesn't really say that much. So you can't get a big head about it or you can't feel like it was a compliment? (laughs) I'd like to put the top down and test drive that for the weekend. Wow. That was a great line. Al goes to Fang to get the job done, man. And those women were casted so well. Oh, my God. I love how he says, I've seen the light, and luckily there's not much in here. It's so great. Like, the delivery uh, of Ed O'Neill is so amazing. And it's only compounded that by the fact that he's saying this right to these women's faces. Just the look on their face, you wouldn't say anything like that. And Al is, and he he just doesn't seem to care. He's not even phased by it. Like, he just doesn't think there's going to be any repercussions, which there are. He gets skinned alive, but you don't even see bandages later on. I was kind of disappointed in that. Like, there's no signs of skinning uh, here, which I was not happy with. Hey, does anyone have those nude photos of Jefferson? My wife was wondering. See, I don't get jealous. Al heads to the car wash, and we get a credits gag where they also, you know, they bought the same tie, the same shirt, and now the same pants. I really, 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 I would say I love this episode. Do I go as far as a five out of five? I mean, that sounds crazy. Um, I really love it. I'll be generous. It's, hey, listen, it's, uh, it's the holidays. I'll be generous like Santa Claus, and I will give it a five out of five. And I I really don't regret saying that. I mean, this has been a huge favorite of mine for years. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I'm just saying that, to me, every minute of it's strong. Everything moves in a great progression. I love the side gag with Kelly and Bud with their the god-awful store. I mean, there's just not much here I don't like. Aaron is used properly. The naive kid who just doesn't get it. Why you don't want to see your own wife naked? That's Al, folks! So, I'm sure there's people out there who disagree with us. And if you do disagree with us, let us know on the Facebook group. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. And other than that, you can tune in next time when the Married with Children podcast will be reviewing How Green Was My Apple? a borderline war between the neighbours over the rights to a fruit tree 
with a lesson to be learned somewhere, if only they would stop fighting. That's not grammatically correct at all. A borderline war between the neighbours over the rights to a fruit tree, with a lesson to be learned somewhere, if only they would stop fighting. There's a word missing in there somewhere. It just made my head hurt. I'm thinking of that in my head, that review. Yes. I'm going to read something else. How green was my apple? An apple grows on a Bundy tree but hangs over the Darcy's yard, prompting a property dispute that turns ugly and explosive. That's more like it. Boom. It also reminds me of a book I read in my childhood um, that a lot, of, a lot of Australian kids may have read. I don't think you ever read much Paul Jennings when you were in school, Anna. <gasps> I did. Uh, it reminds me of The Cabbage Patch War, which is a sequel to The Cabbage Patch Bib. Oh, see, it's been so long since I've read any of his, but I remember some of them. Basically, it's not about a fruit tree, but it's about um, a fight over a defence and um, a barbecue washout. Basically, neighbours' feuds, which accumulates in, I um, uh, can't remember the name of the main kid of that, but it accumulates in the main family's dad losing all his teeth for having a tree branch smack in his face. Oh, okay. And that was the Cabbage Patch War? The sequel, yeah, the war, um, not the fib, fib one, not the one with the um, cabbage kids. Um, this is after the family rip out all the cabbages and put other veggies in the ground, this one. It's fair to say I had a good childhood with this book-wise and uh, TV-wise. Sure did. Sure did.